Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hey folks, welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your host, Joe Liu, and today I'm joined with Pastor Lydia, who's a co-founder here at 180 Church, pastor of Transformation and wife to Dr. Sammy. Um, and we're continuing our series on It's Our Turn Now, uh, following the tradition of Pentecost. Um, and in today's sermon, Dr. Sammy is addressing us, and I think the Holy Spirit is really addressing to us uh, this issue with our subplots. And uh, for those of you that don't know, our subplots are some of these things that kind of hinder us or may cause some roadblocks for the life that we are destined and called to live with Christ in terms of mission and purpose. And so this sermon has been really eye-opening in the way that we can identify what our subplots are and how we can really lay those down and surrender those things uh, at the feet of Christ so that we can embark on this uh, life and journey with Christ. And um, so here's Dr. Sammy. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. So, as we come back to our series in the season of Pentecost, it's our turn now. Last week, just quickly to recap, we talked about the baton of evangelistic and missional leadership being passed on from Jesus to the disciples. And we see this torch being passed in a very powerful scene. And we said that last week, the very beginning in the book of Acts, beginning at Pentecost, a major historical event in church history. We said that we felt as Harold Bloom, the literary critic, talks about an anxiety of influence and these are some big shoes to fill and in this anxiety of influence you can literally feel that anxiety that that it was palpable in the passage the disciples wondering what now and how we're going to do this without Jesus but if you read very carefully in, into the passage the greatest example of all time was Jesus, and because I've been watching in, with all of America, The Last Dance, the last season, and the story about Michael Jordan's Chicago Bulls in 98 season, who majority considered the GOAT. Um, I, I was watching in a particular scene, poignant scene for me, and, and I honestly almost shed a tear. A tear was welling up. <laughs> it's when the torch was passed from Michael Jordan to, to Kobe Bryant and there was a scene where Kobe shares how in his first All-Star game in 19 Michael's last season um, Kobe asked him for advice during the game and, and Michael said um, hey after giving him some advice technical advice and etc hey call me anytime and there's this exchange of the goat passing a torch on to the next perhaps greatest player of all time another exemplary player and and I, you know that really is 
sort of the backdrop of Acts 1. Because when we condense church history, early church history, Jesus' exit is the GOAT. Jesus is the greatest example of all time, the greatest human being, the greatest leader, the greatest teacher ever. And history has been shaped, not simply through a religious lens, but historically, Ando Domini, the year of our Lord, history has been shaped by the greatest example of all time in ethics, morality, religion, bleeding even into science and the scientific method in the very beginning of the Renaissance. Christians were moving into the exploration of God's universe, and that was the motive in many ways. Sir Isaac Newton said as well that that was his motivation. So we we come to this place where Jesus, in that gap between the greatest example of all time and that, then in, in the future history, we begin to see the church, the early church, become the greatest community of all time. The greatest movement of all time that shapes and turns the world literally for the better upside down. And, and here is an example of that in Acts particularly. And Jesus gives the disciples, before he exits the scene, Jesus gives some advice. Just like Michael gives Kobe advice for the next season, next stage and phase of the NBA. What is that advice? Because if the greatest example of all time is giving you advice about how to be great in whatever context you live, you listen. And that's what we want to explore today. The advice Jesus gives the early missional leaders, the disciples. He tells them an advice. So let's move into our scripture today in Acts 1, and we'll move into Acts 2 next week. But I want us to stop here and focus on that advice and why that advice is so paramount to understand and to be great in the kingdom of God. As Jesus started, inaugurated the kingdom of God into the earth, the church's calling is to finish it. And even though the early church started it, and they did an amazing, incredible job, that mission still beats on, still carries on, and we're called to be part of it. So let's move to the text and learn what advice Jesus gives the greatest example of all time to the greatest community of all time and how we can develop a lens in which we can look through of how we can become an unstoppable force as well here and now from a lens then and there. Hey everyone, today's scripture is from the book of Acts chapter 1 verses 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, 
But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. That is the word of the Lord. So in the beginning we said that Acts 1 is the exchange, the torch being passed from the greatest example of all time, Jesus being the goat, the exchange to the greatest community of all time, the early church. And that gap in between, Jesus gives this advice before he exits the scene. So what is that advice? What does it take to be great in the kingdom? First lesson we learn in this passage is that if we want to be great in the kingdom, we have to triple check our subplots first. We have to triple check our personal subplots. So let's read the text and learn more about that. If you look at the text, Jesus says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak of. Now this is about the filling of the Holy Spirit. It says, for John the Baptist with, baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Right then, when Jesus is about giving this advice, the disciples cut him off in verse 6, and this is what they say. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus, verse 7, you could, you could sense the annoyance was palpable. And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father hath set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Catch this very carefully. Jesus says, don't go and do the mission yet. Wait for the Spirit to come upon you. Why? Because their subplots, all the disciples, had a chip on their shoulder, a nationalistic chip of being in captive by the Roman Empire, by the Assyrians in the past, by the Babylonians, and, and even Egypt. And their vision of a kingdom wasn't an expansive kingdom, the eternal kingdom that Jesus had in mind. It was something different entirely. And some of us 
sometimes, actually most of the times, as utilitarians, use God to create the world in our own image, our own schematic vision of how our life should be and how the world should be. And this is particularly the greatest barrier in being great in God's kingdom. Jesus says in the New Testament many times, if you want to be first, be last. If you want to become the greatest, become the least. You see, in the kingdom of God, things that seem right side up actually have to become upside down. See, the disciples had a chip on their shoulder and were hungry for power because of their own political weakness and a sense of nationalism overtook their vision of what a kingdom, an expensive kingdom, eternal kingdom would be like. And so before they could even be filled, they had to be empty through kenosis. And that's it. Before you even begin, examine and triple check your motivations. We see this in our own lives and we see this in culture rather apparently. Why does someone like Kanye West, who is already famous, already successful, this year he became a billionaire? So, so why does he want, who is already famous, who is already infamous in many ways, to become now not just a mogul, not just a billionaire, but now wants to run for president of the United States. Why is being famous not enough or infamous not enough? Why does now he want to be prestigious? You see, that's the subplot. The schematic vision and competing commitment we all, we all have, even celebrities who have so much Whatever is, there's a deprivation in, we want it. And that becomes part of the divergent in really living for the kingdom of God. If someone grew up poor and their ambition is security, then they want wealth. And that bleeds into it. And so you see, one of the things that I want you to understand is that this passage, what it's really Examining is the chronic condition of the subplot. You see, subplots are not surrendered. or It's not done with in one day. It takes a lifetime. It's chronic for a reason. So, if you were uncool and now you want to be cool, the tyranny of coolness, then that's a chronic condition for your whole life. So whatever your subplot is, that might not be it. There might be something else. Whatever those might be, that gets in the way of becoming great. Before we can be filled with God's vision, we have to empty ours through kenosis, emptying that and laying those things down. And so before the Spirit could come and help deal with that, you have to triple check your motivations. And I want you to look at your own life today. What subplot over hijacks God's assignment and mission for your life? I bet that's the chronic anxiety we struggle with and the pettiness we struggle with and the anxieties that dominate most of our thought life. The battlefield is those competing values, those competing commitments. And that's why the Holy Spirit is so necessary to be great in God's kingdom. Because if there is a radical problem like a chronic condition, a chronic subplot, something 
that is always at bay and that always must be put to death on a daily basis. Something that we lack and are deprived of, then we're going to need something as powerful, a po- more, even greater motivator that can eliminate or hold those things at bay. And that's why Jesus says, wait for the Holy Spirit. So before we move into that, I pray that the Spirit of God will show you your subplots today. That's why one of the reasons, if, if finance is an issue, it's why it's so hard to give to the mission. Right? We said that last week, that admission is free, but admission isn't. So many in our community have overcome this struggle, but some of you might be struggling with that. That's why you can't give generously to the kingdom. If this is, really, if the whole church is going to take the whole gospel to the whole world, it's going to take giving and generosity. But we can't. And so you see that it comes in collision with greatness of the kingdom because our own issue of scarcity or issue of being whatever subplot we have in the heart. So I pray the Spirit would really begin to help you identify and be honest with those subplots and how they're coming collision with God's plans and how they bleed into taking over the mission of God in your life, your assignment right now. So first we said that if we want to become great in God's kingdom, we have to triple check our subplot. And we also said that Jesus' advice was to wait for the Holy Spirit. Then, if we have such a chronic condition like a lifelong struggle with a subplot, really, usually has to do with money, sex, and power in many different variations of that, then how do we overcome such a radical and tenacious struggle that is ongoing and perpetual? We need really something as radical, an antidote, really. And this is what Jesus says in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. And that word, witnesses, in Greek is martyr. And if you didn't know, martyr means someone dying for something. Meaning, Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, which in, if you look at the New Testament, particularly in the epistle of John, you see that the Holy Spirit is a coach, a counselor, a teacher. So not only do we need to triple check our subplots and hold them at bay because they, will, they are chronic. Whatever we're deprived of schematically is the way we see. And in many ways, it's our default. Then we need to be also become teachable. Jesus, who is the greatest example of all time and who also partnered with the Spirit of God. If you read Acts, it says that he spoke through the Holy Spirit to his disciples. The greatest example of time is giving this advice that we must become teachable. Yeah, 
Every great athlete, every great person that does anything great always has a mentor, always has a coach. So the only way we're going to have this chronic condition, this subplot in check, is if we have accountability. It's not up here, but the Holy Spirit here. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is sent by the Father. Promised, actually in the Old Testament, in Joel 2, God literally coming to live and indwell in you and me. And a lot of times the confusion of this idea of Pentecost, and now we know in culture, broader culture, that there are Pentecostals who focus a lot on this spiritual dimension of the church and the role of the church and the role of the Holy Spirit. But here is where the confusion comes from. You see, it's a particular event in church history. The Pentecost is a one-time event where the Spirit of God literally comes in the church and it indwells in them. And anytime anyone accepts Jesus, the Spirit of God fills all of us. And it doesn't have to come in manifestations like tongues or spiritual gifts, which we'll move into in the next chapter. But anyway, a lot of people confuse those two things. And that's why a lot of the church today, who particularly are in the charismatic persuasion and bend in, in Pentecostal bend, which our church firmly believes in spiritual gifts. And I personally speak in tongues and been speaking in tongues since I was 16 and been very powerful. But that manifestation does not mean that you're filled with the Spirit at that event. No, the Spirit fills us continually. This event just was a historical moment where the Spirit of God literally came to dwell in the church. And that's where the confusion lies. But the Spirit of God is available to everyone who accepted the Lord Jesus into their life. When you prayed and invited Jesus into your life, the Spirit literally comes in. And there not need to be a manifestation like speaking tongues. There are other fruit that happens as a byproduct. So that's the confusion. And this is why sometimes the church chases events, dim lights, and certain styles of worship, thinking that you need to create an event to bring life change. But that's not true. The truth is the Spirit of God comes to coach you to deal with subplots primarily so you can become a martyr. So, see, there's a... A cognitive dissonance that takes place about our subplot in God's kingdom and God's mission. Our, our commitment and God's commitment. Our plans and God's plan. And those come into collision. The Spirit's role is to what? Bring convergence to His plans and submit our plans. And that, that's why that word, verse 8, martyr, is so important. It brings to death those things, our defaults. And it's only the Spirit's power that could do that in our lives. So if you're struggling with guilt because of your... Your subplots don't be. And you find yourself tempted and seduced by those things, don't be. Every human being psychologically and emotively struggles with subplots. And they will for the rest of their lives. <laughs> I'm sorry. And that's the good news of the gospel, that the Spirit of God comes to empower you and fill you and to help you put to death those things. And you need the Spirit of God every day and He is with you permanently until you go back to heaven and be with Jesus. And for those of you seeking, the Spirit of God is available today to help you find Him as well. And so that's powerful. And so we have to become teachable and allow the Spirit to coach us and to help us be emptied and put to death those things. 
every mentor I had in my life, every, every person that helped me get closer to God and become refined in this mission and fit into the kingdom of God and accomplish anything worthy to make much of His name, always helped me come back on mission. Help me put my subplots to bed and keep them at bay. But they're always there. And that's why sometimes we get mentors that like to just prophesy over us good things or speak to us about prosperity and health. And those are not the type of coaches you want in your life. Particularly those who are led by the Spirit of God are those who help you get back and put to death these things. That literally culture worships money, sex, and power and gets you come back to the cross and become a witness for Jesus, a martyr, and helps you, no matter how difficult they may be, put it to death. Well, you know, I think in classic fashion before our conversation, I probably was going to start this off by, you know, talking about how, uh, like what I took away from the sermon, but I don't know. I think, um, I think like what I'm recognizing, you know, just kind of following what we were talking about is that, you know, I think, I think like some of the subplots that I'm having, a, I'm, having, I'm having a tough time with this today, I guess, but, uh, because you know when i first listened to the sermon and you know i was moderating the chat so i guess i was a little bit distracted but you know i think some of the subplots that dr sammy was bringing up i felt like um were like generally power sex and money and things like that and i feel like there are inklings of you know how these subplots affect my life in the sense that why it motivates me for some of the th like things that I would want to achieve for, like whether it's like some kind of wealth or some kind of status and significance um, and things like that. Um, but I guess like I was trying to really think about how the spirit was trying to address one of the, like the more apparent subplots in my life. And I guess I was drawing a bit of a blank because, you know, I don't necessarily think it's like, just money or like just power or like just sex and things like that so i mean you know i think i found this sermon to be really important because it it is kind of like the initial stages of how we can really discuss discipleship in partnership with you know the great commission and what god is doing in our lives and you know i was really encouraged because it seems like god really wants to work in our lives um, so that we can make space for what God is doing. And I guess it really begins with, you know, reflection on what these hindrances are or these hurdles are in our lives to do God's mission. Um, and that's just me thinking a lot, but I guess like, I guess I kind of just wanted to start there in regards to how, you know, what is it that God is, because I think it's, specific for each individual what their subplots are but you know dr sammy mentioned that it usually comes from like a lack of or a deprivation of and things like that and um i guess it's j like where we can start even beginning to ask ourselves and ask god what our subplots are if i'm correct on that yeah i think that's definitely um something that we can start asking if we haven't identified it once before, you mm -hmm. know, 
to be asking God, okay, clearly there, there are subplots. But I think also knowing why the subplots actually get in the way of this destiny God has for us, this direction God has for us. I think mm. that's also important to understand too. Um, because, you know, there are a lot of thoughts that go through, I think, when people think subplots. You know, some, some people might be like, okay, so is it bad? I mean, is subplot bad? Like everyone has it. And it could often be generalized and not be identified, right? Mm. Even when you said um, that it has, that when it was said that it has to do with three, majorly these three things, what was it? Power, sex, and money, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think oftentimes people think, people might be like, oh, power, sex, and money, I don't struggle really with that. Some might be like, yeah, I struggle with that. And it might be blatant, but Mm -hmm. for some it's like, oh, I don't struggle with power, sex, and money. I dealt with that a long time ago. Or, no, I don't struggle with that. And then oftentimes it's because we kind of allude or we kind of think associate it with Hollywood, power, sex, and money, or celebrities, people that are powerful, people that are rich, people that are um, <laughs> or more sexual or explicitly sexual, right? Mm-hmm. But when it was said that power, sex, and money are the three categories people may struggle in, it's actually not far from the truth because it's what people think about sex. And oftentimes it has nothing to do with sex itself. It has to do with what one believes about sex or it has nothing to do with you being rich Money has nothing to do with one being rich or rich um, as in billionaires and millionaires, but it has everything to do with how you think about money mm. and what that might have, what that means for you and also power. Um, it might not have to do with the power of a dictator or a president or, you know, the Wall Street, you know, power, I don't know, whatever those... It's not about that association, but it has everything to do with um, how you feel you are in control of in any aspect of power. So it really has everything to do with what you think about those things, right? Mm, Yeah. Because, of course, you look at Miami, you know, you look at television or... Do they even say television anymore? I don't know. But you look at TV, you look at cable, and you're like, ah, that's not my life. But, you know, in every plot, you see all the plots and the subplots of people's stories. Um, and it's pretty interesting how their life, although this is kind of why we're intrigued, right? Because there's a connecting, something that connects us to other stories. Because mm-hmm. sometimes subplots and sometimes, like, a lot of things match up. And it's really what keeps their interest. Even the more insane ones, I, in, in my opinion, I think that's why entertainment is so powerful. It connects mm-hmm. with us, something that we might not even see about ourselves. And it might not be explicitly true, but implicitly, um, it's probably, it, it, oftentimes it could be very powerful, the effect these thoughts or our, our beliefs have about, that we have about these things. Mm-hmm. So, I guess I'm just saying that because I wouldn't 
for those who might be like, oh, I don't struggle with those three things. Like, oh, I have accountability. I don't struggle with sex. Like, it could be very black and white, but I think it's really about what we think about those things. Mm. You know? I see. So, so it's like, it seems like what I'm getting from what you're saying is that more or less our attitudes about those three things can present themselves as hurdles for making space for discipleship and mission in our lives. And it's not necessarily that like we like want to be more powerful, more rich or have more sex or things like that. It's, just, it's like how we view those things and how, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like you can either view like, for example, power in a positive or negative light. And that can kind of preoccupy that space that God wants to encompass so that you can do mission. Right. Cause, uh, I guess what I'm thinking is that I don't necessarily relate to wanting to have more power, but mm-hmm. it's sometimes I feel that my life can hold like not like it do- it just doesn't seem like it's going to be powerful. Uh-huh. If you, if you, if you follow what I'm yeah, trying to say, I'm uh-huh. uh, yeah, cause it's like, it's not necessarily that I feel like I need power in my life. It's more like, I feel that I don't have much power in my life at all, but even that is kind of occupying that, that space of, you know, our views and our beliefs and our attitudes about, um, these categories and those categories, uh, more or less are great starting points for us to even begin to address like the nuances of these subplots. Yes. Well, subplots happen, um, in our adolescence. And that's why it's called a chip in our shoulder in some ways, because it's kind of like what a lot of times it's what you are deprived of and mm-hmm. or a, a hurt or some message that you receive as a child uh, at some point that kind of becomes a driving force of what you aim for in life. Mm-hmm. And what you aim for in life, and a lot of people are may not be even aware of why they do what they do. Right. One person might feel like, you know what? I'm never going to let anyone beat me up and will get really, really strong. And they think that ultimately it's about protecting self, but it actually goes a lot deeper. And this is like why psychotherapy exists and all that. But it goes a lot deeper than just protecting themselves physically. It has more to do with feeling powerless. I'm not talking about you, Joe, because you work out a lot. I'm just generally (laughs) saying, but... (laughs) I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to point you out in any way. Um, but it had more to do with feeling powerless um, implicitly than physically. But I think a lot of times when we don't look into our subplots, what they may be, we don't even know the driving force of our own life. Yeah. And more importantly, it conflicts with the mission of God. And so as a disciple of Christ, you may be running, but you're kind of going in a certain circle and you don't even realize that you're running these circles and not reaching a certain um, direction or even um, going towards the destination. Hmm. And a lot of it happens just um, not knowing, unknowingly. Yeah. So... Being given an opportunity to once again come back to the issue of subplots 
um, of emptying ourselves, I think it's important because I think a lot of people actually live as though it exists, but okay, how can I move forward? But I think it's really a, um, we're stopping here, um, to understand what it is. What are we exactly? Uh, okay. I mean, there's an aspect of the gospel. Like we will never know all the sins that we have in our hearts mm. and that we have committed. And, um, an early theologian said, and we, we always say this, but said that if we knew any more when we come to Christ and we're saved, when we understand salvation and accept Christ, if we understood more than 1% of our sin at that time, we would probably die. Right. Yeah. So there is an aspect we will, we, it's not like we will fully, fully really know, but in the same sense, there will, we will never really put to death in one day, but every day dying to it and knowing what it is exactly that, um, keeps us at bay from the mission of God, mm. the very purpose of God, you know, I think is really important. What is it really that we're emptying ourselves of? Mm. I see. So this is, a, empty, you know, oh, I'm sorry. Could you repeat that one more time? Like, how do we empty if we don't know what we're really surrendering? Right. Again? Right. And and you mentioned that a lot of that really comes from an unawareness of our subplots. It's like, we know we might have an idea that there's something there, but if we're like, so identifying our subplots is a critical point and being able to even begin the process of kenosis, like Dr. Samuel was saying. Yeah, See? definitely. Mm. And I'm not saying that, you know, this time it's going to be so clear, but I think it's a process. Like you're asking, starting to ask, ask God what our subplots may be is a great starting point as well to begin to understand. Right. Because there's layers and layers of, um, unawareness and also denial and deflection, but also it's like, why is this even that crucial to understand? Can we just live our life? And, you know, if it makes us productive and successful, does it really matter? Mm. But it's really reframing in the very, um, yeah, it, it's understanding the framework or the vision of God, mm. how we're made in God's image versus and we, and this Bible talks about this, um, is about the false self. When you live according to subplots, you're building your false self. And God could never bless the false self because it is not who we are. It is, it is almost like it may be clear to God that we're kind of like a mouse on a, uh, one of those wheels yeah. or like they, you know, that saying, but to us, it's like we're, we feel like we're getting somewhere. But actually, we're not really getting anywhere in terms of fruitfulness in life. So mm. I think it's important. It's a it's an important juncture, I think, to really um, understand and that it exists and that to think about that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess what I'm getting from you so far is that, you know, these subplots that we're chasing kind of keep us in this cycle of despair. Um, and the reason why it conflicts with, you know, what God is doing in our lives or how the Holy Spirit is working in us is because it, it doesn't really 
add to the benefit of us, you know, be like becoming who we are, right? It, it's like that we're chasing something else that isn't very fruitful for who we're becoming. If that, if I'm understanding that correctly. Yeah, I mean, I, I would even say that despair is a clear sign that something is wrong. Yeah. That maybe this is not the right direction. If you're there, I think you are way closer in identifying and um, seeking a new way to live. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is most people will not identify that what they feel is despair, you know? Yeah. Because everything is kind of gauged by numbers and um, whether it's money, time, you know? So I think it's, forget, how could you even know that something is not right or that you're not going the right direction unless there was some kind of a signpost that tells you maybe this is not the direction. Maybe this is not who you really are supposed Mm -hmm. to be. You know? Yeah. But having said that, yeah, it's contrary to who God has made us to be. And I would, and this is what the Bible says, but it is really for freedom that Christ has come Hmm. to, it's really to set us free that he has died on the cross. So really what we're missing out on is we're missing out on the very life of freedom of the spirit in Christ. Mm. So the, all the control that subplots bring is really an illusion of control and it's not really um, freedom as it mm. may seem like that is what um, one may feel like they're trying to attain ultimately, but actually it becomes a form of bondage, but also a roadblock. So yeah, ultimately, it is not who we're who we're meant to become. Mm, I see. I think one of the things that you really that re- really resonated that you mentioned is that you know how can we really know we're going in the wrong direction unless there are signposts? And you know, one thing that really comes to mind is that sometimes I really feel like these signposts present themselves, and oftentimes I might end up ignoring them because you know i i think because like the signposts i'm interpreting as like these convictions that i have throughout my like week or month or days about like maybe this isn't the person that i like this is direction this isn't the direction i'm supposed to go but it's like it's really hard to identify those convictions and those signposts because you know we're so like wrapped up in our subplots that it's hard to see that you know, God and the Holy Spirit are trying to reroute us to the direction that we are supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a good question that uh, Sam phrased in how to identify our subplots, for, mm-hmm. right, was it, what are those things that you're most anxious and afraid of? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question because we're only really anxious about the things that we really care about. And I'm not talking about at the end of the day, what you were anxious about was the most important thing in life. It doesn't even define how important it is, but it's just for some reason, what are the places where you are most 
anxiously driven or mm. anxious about is kind of like the signpost to help us know like, okay, I actually, and there are patterns, right? I think people will find that there are patterns of why they are most anxious about certain things mm. or topics. And looking into that with the spirit is, I think, very helpful to identifying. You know, some people might be yeah. like, oh, I'm not really anxious, though. Um, some, some, there are always people who say that, right? Like, oh, no, but I'm not anxious. I'm yeah. never anxious about anything. Then it's maybe we could even rephrase it like, where are the things you're most sensitive about? Mm, yeah. Right. right? Like, okay, that's not so severe as anxiety because I think when we say anxiety, we think, oh, wow, like that person's always worried, but I'm not worried. Okay, what are you most sensitive about? Like, what are your buttons? Right. So there are different ways to, I guess, identify that. Hmm. Yeah, I could, I could tell you. So some of these things that cause any, like some sort of unrest, whether we're agitated by some of the some of our sensitivities or if we're restless because of some of our anxieties are certain are these are some of the ways we can identify some of our subplots because like i guess one thing that comes to mind is that you know even today i guess i felt much more restless and anxious than i usually am right and i could easily fit myself in the category of like i'm not the anxious type or i'm not the anxious kind of person but mm -hmm. you know this induced anxiety from something is a way for us to really dig in and reflect. And so, you know, it, it seems like addressing our subplots and really getting into the meat of those things are really important reflective tools for us to see if we're going in the right direction, right? Like these are, these are like the signposts and the areas of, you know, correction and being coachable in these areas so that we can, you know, move in the direction of God. Yes. And the point about being coachable and teachable is such a, it's such a powerful point because a lot of times we won't know on our own, um, how to identify fully or what to do with the subplots. Right. How yeah. to, right. How to recalibrate, how to gear, how to redirect our lives so that it is in accordance to the purpose and the mission of God. That steering doesn't always happen um, independently of others. And I say that because oftentimes another way of identifying is, I'm not saying always, but um, these are just like subtle, I guess, things that we sometimes miss. It's like there are patterns. Like you might notice there are things that people that know you and love you. And I'm not talking about just people who nag because they just want to give you a hard time. They don't know you. They don't care about you. But I'm talking about people who are investing into you, loving you, and caring for you. Um, what are some things that they may repeat, right? Like, what are some things they always say and you are most annoyed because there they are saying it again, like, oh, and you try to put it off. Like, what are those patterns? And I think that helps too. And so there's definitely an aspect of getting help from others and being teachable um, in what those things may be and how they have already always seen it versus how you've always felt defensive about those things, you know? 
Mm. I think that's also another way too. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I thought you were going to finish your thought. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, no, that was my thoughts. I, see. I, I mean, that does make a lot of sense because, you know, Dr. Sammy did mention that this is a chronic thing. Like, this is not just a one and done kind of deal. Like, these subplots present themselves time and time again, like maybe in different ways, like as in like maybe they present themselves differently from maybe previous, but they usually have the same roots in the same source, right? Like that deprivation and those things that we feel like um, are the chips on our shoulders, right? Because like, I think, you know, I think I've recognized over the years and thankfully through mentorship and guidance and pastor and like having uh, you and Dr. Sammy as pastors, like, you know, some of these subplots that we have, you know, usually we can identify, but they look differently sometimes. And so it could be a little bit confusing, but they're usually rooted in the same, you know, I guess, chronic issue that we carry with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I will also say it's not something that I'm not talking about a life coaching kind of identification being teachable to that because a life coach, I believe in life coaching. I think they're very helpful, but I'm talking about Christ-centered, Christ-focused, directional um, destination. Which really, it is almost like obvious to say, because when we talk about subplots, we're really talking about what are the directions of our hearts and our lives from our deprivation and from our past that drives us away from the destiny of Christ, mm. right? Which is purpose of God and mission. But I think oftentimes, oddly, but nothing is too odd in this world, but is that when we hear subplots, we go, oh, okay. And we tend to think very much um, naturally. Okay, not naturally, but um, like, oh, okay, what is it that I struggle with? What do I need to get better at? So, Or what is it that I'm missing? And we try to fill the deprivation instead of emptying ourselves of it so that the spirit could fill us, so that the spirit could lead us. It often could become a personal project of self-growth and self-help yeah. and not spirit-filling. And it is such a – and again, in that – because I think a lot of times people take it to that end. Mm-hmm. You know, you could – I mean, the truth is you could gain so much from the Word of God because it is a narrative of so many people – who are vulnerable and open about their walk with Christ of failures and success. And, you know, even a secular person could take from it the lessons without actually trusting or believing in Christ Mm -hmm. because there's so much wisdom in it. Right. Um, But I think as Christians, we're, we have to be not just mindful, but be careful to make sure that we're trying to align to God's image of us and not the betterment of, is that a word? I think that's a word. The betterment of our own um, flourishing as a person, as an individual. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's like not mistaking our becoming Christ-like for self-improvement. 
Yes, and I'll, I think sometimes that does happen. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I think. Yeah, oh, sorry. No, no, no. I want to hear you. What? Oh, yeah. I mean, because I think, uh, unfortunately, I feel like I, that rings a bell because I think, um, you know, it's it's like really easy to see that there is an issue and somebody brings up an issue and try to patch it over. Like, mm, um, yeah. You know, it's like I think for a long time I've been told that you know I have I struggle with intimacy and like you know all you know like I I just have a tough time you know mm. being intimate or I, I i guess i don't even recognize what that really means or what that looks like in my life and so like the natural way for me to go about it is like, okay like how do i be more intimate or like what do i do like how do i communicate better mm. and like what do i have to do mm. in order to be more intimate but it's not it's not like i'm trying to work on intimacy in my life necessarily but being but like the what i missed in that aspect is the opportunity to be transformed inside out like through by kinesis, the yeah by the spirit through yes. that kinesis and emptying myself um of like whatever hang-ups and hiccups i have regarding intimacy so that you know i can make room for you know that i don't i don't even really know what it is because i don't think i've you know experienced that but you know like mm -hmm. how how god is trying to transform my life in this area yeah, exactly. Because there's this um, want to patch up so that you could appear to be better or to feel better, mm. right? Because yeah. there's a vulnerability that comes with knowing like, oh, man, I do have a subplot. Mm. Oh, man, like this is something I struggle with and chronically struggle with. Because I think oftentimes like living with that reality that we're being transformed and being renewed um, is that it's a process of God filling us and us carrying up the cross each day, daily, um, losing ourselves for the sake of the gospel, that that tension could bring some discomfort yeah. initially. Mm. When actually that tension is necessary to understand uh, the direction of the Spirit is so that we could empty ourselves of that so that the Spirit could fill us and actually launch us to the direction and the plans that he has for us. And speaking of what the ultimate goal of ident identifying subplot, um, as obvious it may be to all, I think it's important to say ultimately it is so that we can do the mission of God and live the life of purpose. Right. And it is also what, so another question is not just, uh, what are some things that bring anxiety or fear the most, or what are some things that make you sensitive or defensive the most, but, or what are your buttons, but what are some things that in the end always keeps you from, um, living your life for Christ, doing the mission of God? Mm -hmm. And I think that destination is really what's blocked. One can flourish so much that they have much to give to others in many ways, but not ever reach um, in clarity the mission of God, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of times we just kind of generalize, oh, let me be a blessing so I can be a blessing to others. But actually, when Christ launches the disciples, he's 
really talking about the mission of God being accomplished and being finished by the church. He has a mission in mind. Mm. You know, I think when he knew that he was going to die on the cross, I don't think he really thought about it as maybe it's figurative. Maybe it's something I have to, you know, die um, to myself so that I can offer myself to others. No, he embraced that it's a hard path. It's the most difficult path, but that he will indeed physically die. Like it was clear to him more and more as it approached that he would physically die mm. and be crucified. Um, no one is asking us and to be crucified, but the Bible does talk about being crucified with Christ, that the life I live no longer live, but in Christ. So if we're not being crucified and if, and if the Bible is talking about an actual death, um, of self to be filled, to be, uh, commissioned, right? Um, it is not just a symbolic death, but something will die. You know what I mean? Something, yeah. it is talking about something actually, um, not, uh, being destroyed within us, demolished. Mm. So, and that's why I think it's, it all sounds so obvious, but I think, you know, we're all so guilty of not really thinking through what it means Mm. to be crucified with Christ or to deny ourselves and to carry the cross or like, we don't really think, what does that really mean? We just go, okay, there will be hardships, but, um, we try to live most of our Christian lives trying to avoid hardship. So I think even um, trying to think of us uh, identifying a subplot is going to be a path of resistance to many. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Who wants to think about that? You want to just continue and do all the right things and flourish. No one really wants to stop and not be filled, right. not flourish, so we could stop and talk about oh, what direction am I not going that I have not laid down, you know? No one really wants to go backwards. It feels, it could feel backwards, but it's not. It's for freedom. So Mm. gets tricky. Yeah, yeah. I could could see that because it's, because it's almost like, you know, I think a lot of the times we live our lives in such a way that it becomes the status quo. But, you know, God and the Holy Spirit just kind of disrupts that status quo so that, you know, we can be aligned to mission more so than like be aligned to like the flourishing of our lives or like the benefit of our lives. Cause I think you're right. It is a difficult conversation to have with yourself about like what areas in my life or what things that are holding me back from mission in my life need like this kind of sounds morbid, I guess, but needs to die so that mm-hmm. it can place the life of christ first in our hearts yeah that's a difficult conversation to have right like that's not an easy you know reconciliation because it's like you know i think that's like the hard part about discipleship is that you know it's if we do kind of have to go through this kenosis and dying to our quote-unquote ourselves 
so that we can live for Christ, right? And that's like sort of that martyrdom that mm -hmm. Dr. Sammy was addressing. Like for us to even be witnesses for Christ is to, mm -hmm. you know, like die to ourselves so that we can, you know, live and die for Christ as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I guess like, you know, that I think if that's like we get to this point for many Christians and many believers, it's kind of like, okay, what does that even look like? You know, and I guess that was going to be my next question for you is that um, how do we even begin this process of kenosis? And like, I guess if we can recognize, I guess, the error of our ways and how we might have gone astray from the path that God wants us to live, how, I guess, how can we reconcile um, this portion of our lives? Yeah. You know, it's not so much that we have strayed. It's more like we were already strayed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Bible talks about all have fallen short of the glory of God, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not that Christ has saved us from the fact that we are unable to save ourselves. But as we're living our lives in this earth, it is daily surrender of recognizing that and acknowledging that that we cannot walk this life on our own, but we must be led. Because if we were to lead it ourselves, we will probably end up in a different destination. Yeah. Even if we set a goal for the day, if we're not led by God's ways and by the Spirit um, navigating us through all the things um, in our lifetime, we will get lost. Mm -hmm. So... Having said that, I think, um, you know, people might think, oh, okay, so what are some bad things? I think explicitly, what are some bad things that we need to kill in our lives? But, you know, the, the thing that's trickier than apparent bad things, right? Apparent sin is, um, really the things that are so subtle, the things that seem so good. Mm. That, you know, um, Sam often says this, you know, and I always see it so clearly in the visual of our social media posts on this um, whenever Sam preaches. But it's like the G-O-O-D. That extra O makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And the capitalization, right, yeah. <laughs> of G, of God. But it often is the good and the illusion of what good often can be like such a roadblock for us yeah. is uh, sometimes I think for most, unless you're a criminal and a psychopath, you're really building your life around good, mm. not evil. Yeah. Eh, it's not evil. Eh, so that's why I think we go, Oh, it's not evil. So why is it so bad? Well, cause it's good, but it's not what God is. It's not God. And I think that difference is really the um, tension bringer, you know, mm. It's the illusion of what is good. Right. And usually our subplots are driven by that chase for the quote unquote good things. But, you know, do, do you think like in the eyes of God, that's us not really pursuing things that are really good, like things that are of God? Like that's like we're, we're kind of stunting ourselves in that aspect. Yeah. 
Definitely. Because if you're looking for the cure of some, I mean, we're in the pandemic, but like, if you're looking for the cure, I think um, you want the cure to arrive to the destination of safety of the world, safety of your family members, right? To be free, to no longer social distance, right? That's what you're looking for. You're looking for the vaccine. You're looking for that ultimate, um, you know, solution for things to thrive again and for things to go back to normal. I don't think that I would be happy if you brought me a whole bunch of vitamin C pills. (laughs) (laughs) But... It's such a, I know it's so blatant, but I think oftentimes we don't see it as that, but it often is that vitamin C is good, but ultimately we're trying to get to a destination. Right. And it is the same with our destination in Christ. It's either, and I'll say it blatant like this, either you will live a life of mission and of purpose, or you will live the life of the illusion of purpose and effectiveness, but that's it. Right. And I think that's why it's so imperative, why the mission is not a suggestion, you know? Right. Yeah. Because we could be so fixated on what seems like our purpose in life, but it's really not what it seems. Like, it's, it's it's an illusion, like you were saying. It's just like our chasing of something that is not really substantial, like real purpose and meaning and mission would look like in our lives. Um, yeah. And I guess like that's, and I, I kind of wanted to throw this in there because I think that leads to why it's so important for us first, I think as disciples to be teachable and second to have people to teach us or like mentors to guide us in the right way. And like our, I guess like, First and foremost, our biggest advocate and mentor would be the Holy Spirit. But then it's, you know, like that, like, I I guess I'm trying to ask, um, like, how does that mentorship and coachability come into play with, I guess, this, um, how do I say this? I guess like this kind of situation that we find ourselves with, I guess, if we're kind of caught in the crossroads of understanding that, oh, maybe my life so far or like this moment in my life so far seems to have been for the chase of an illusion like how does how does mentorship and teachers and mentors in our lives kind of bring us to a place where we can um you know pursue a path of mission well i think this is also obvious to say but it's not so i'll just say (laughs) you want someone who lives and believes and lives and leads their life in the direction always as a mission as a priority Mm -hmm. like you shouldn't be taught by you shouldn't be taught and mentored by people who don't value mission right yeah i mean that doesn't really make sense yeah that doesn't make sense because i could draw a lot of like for example i could draw a lot of life lessons from michael jordan for example but i can't really go to him I'm not saying I go to him, but you know what I mean? Like I can't really turn to him for lessons of doing the mission. I could look at it in a metaphorical way, I guess. Him wanting to win all the time and seeing the cost of that is like, 
you know, living the mission of God and knowing that there is a cost to mission. Right. But in terms of um, living, really aligning my life to Christ, if that's the area like where I'm suffering or struggling, I wouldn't be able to go to Jordan for that mm-hmm. because, you know, I just wouldn't, right? Right. So I think knowing who you turn to is also important. Yeah. That they value the mission. And so it's also so important that you go to a church that doesn't value just flourishing, um, but that flourishing means that others are flourishing because of Christ finding Christ, becoming like Christ, you know, representing Christ, mm-hmm. leading more like Christ. And I say that because, you know, like a lot of times the whole, the church can be, and I'm not saying this is like generalizing that this is mostly the case, but it's a lot of times the churches could be kind of very helpful and someone becoming successful in the world, but not necessarily um, people are not necessarily living for Christ. Right? Yeah. So I think it's just so important that we turn to people in these things. We could take all lessons of life lessons from others, but ultimately we have to learn from Christ and those who are really following Christ as a priority. Mm. Yeah. Like that totally makes sense. Cause I wouldn't learn physics, for example, from someone that's not, that hasn't done physics before like that. That wouldn't really make sense. So it's like, you would have to align yourself to, and I guess that's why it's really important to have mentors in these, this community of value driven people like that, are on the same page about what values they follow because if mission is a value then obviously you would learn what the like the importance of the value of mission kind of trickle down from a leader and from mentorship yeah you really can't learn something that um that the person teaching you has not understood or gone through Mm. yeah so it's really important Mm. yeah I guess um one of my questions also then is like I guess if all of us see, find ourselves in the category of believer or even if you're not a believer and are you know exploring and such like that I I guess like the, one of the really important things about discipleship is having mentorship and I guess how do you I guess what I'm trying to make sense of then is if you find yourself to be a believer how how do you begin that process of discipleship as in how do you how do you even begin to start this kenosis mm-hmm. process and start having conversations with leaders about you know uh whether it's our subplots or our state of discipleship and things like that i guess it's like how do you move from believer to disciple yeah well being part of uh a Christ-focused church is of utmost priority, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a Christ-preaching, um, mission-practicing church. And, you know, the truth is, for the size of the church, it's impossible to for the pastors to mentor every single person. 
Mm, yeah, it is. Yeah. But there are ministries like small group, right? Like at our church in 180, we have small groups that are designed for that. And then the announcements always go like, um, for small groups, there are people that have gone through faith and that are searching for faith, um, in these small groups. And you could have those faith conversations there. And that's a true statement because in a small group, you have people from all different, um, I guess, junctures of that face, hmm. face search or as a disciple, those who have come to Christ are in different places of discipleship. Um, they're not necessarily levels, but some have walked with Christ. And I'm talking about walking with Christ, not just being a Christian, but walking with Christ hmm. further and longer than others. So others have gone through some things that others might be going through now. Um, and I think small group is a great place of that because when we gather in small groups, it's not that the discussion is open ended where anything goes, but it is kind of, um, it is a discussion that is led with like, uh, not a theme, but of specifically the Sunday message, right? And a Sunday message, of the preaching is specifically is not its own independent message, but comes from the word of God. So before we look for um, a specific teacher or mentor or someone to invest in me, that's not always the case. Um, small group is a great place to go and to learn from each other. And you might not necessarily relate with every single person there, but God is speaking through the narrative of the people that have been walking with Christ that are searching for Christ. So there's a lot to be learned there mm. or even somewhat how they came to Christ and how that journey um, was um, how someone is striving to do the mission. Like there are narratives to uh, learn from, you know, mm. someone who's starting out a mission or so it's not so literal in that the path has to line up like, oh, you like, you like that? I like that. It doesn't have to be so specific. Mm -hmm. But the, if the journey is the same in direction, we can learn from each other. Mm. I see. And that, I see. And that like emphasizes the point that, you know, we can't do this alone, no matter how strong your willpower is and such like that. And I think, um, I bring that up because I think I, I, from what you're saying is I think I tend to fall into that trap of thinking you can like will yourself out of your subplots or you can will your own transformation or you can like, you know, get yourself to that place that you need to be. But it, it really doesn't look like that, right? It's like, it's through partnership and walking with Christ and through your community and through your leaders in like together like working on our, I guess, working on our lives, you know, in tandem that, you know, this kenosis and transformation process can take place. Yeah, because there is the aspect of learning, self-discovery, um, growing, being pushed, being challenged. Mm. And that happens within a community. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I guess, um, you know, 
one of the questions I do have is, you know, maybe, maybe for some of us, you know, I think a lot of the times we don't really know what's like the freedom on the other end looks like per se. Um, uh-huh. I, I guess for me, it's also that not that I, well, maybe I can say this, I, that I don't really know maybe what freedom from my subplots would look like, right? And I guess it's specific for each individual. But, um, you know, if someone like myself that's struggling with, like, trying to, you know, like, you know, get, like, underst- or, I don't know, understand or, like, try to be more intimate and things like that, and, like, you know, addressing those subplots and chronic issues in my life, um, like what 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 could freedom maybe look like on the other end of that like if like let's say we are emptied and you know living our lives aligned to the values of mission in christ um i guess i'm asking if there is a way to understand what freedom is in that sense or like what it looks like well the bible says where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom right Freedom is the life led by the spirit where you're like legit led in your life, not by your wants and not wants, but led by the spirit and the, and, and to arrive to just to points and destinations where you can actually experience what it means to not be focused on that chip or that fear or that annoyance or that, but despite it all in inconvenience, in discomfort, be able to step in because you're led by the spirit and freedom really looks like being. And, you know, in this world, it's like, it's kind of like a fog. It comes with the fog fog disappears you see clearly and then the fog comes and you don't even know which day fog was not here like you know it's it comes and goes and that's why we have to live each day daily laying it down Mm -hmm. Um, but it is the freedom of knowing that there is no power of man ruling any ruling your decisions but it is really the fear of the Lord, meaning I'm not talking about like being afraid of God because he's scary in any way, but he's mighty. But knowing that you're living led in by a life, by the wisdom and the direction of the spirit and the knowing of you're accomplishing the things that he has in store and accomplishing the mission and the assignment that he has in store. So that's what freedom looks like and it 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 is i know that when we say freedom we wanted to feel it that just viscerally like oh yeah we're free what are we free from we're actually free from the bondage and the bonds of this world everything that tells us to conform mm, well yeah yeah and being free to do god's will that freedom is it's 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 amazing (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like it i mean yeah 
And I think believers witness that, you know, even though we might lose sight of it and come back to the place where we um, revisit, okay, my subplot. Oh, okay, there's something here that really gets me more than I think, you know, and there's a coloring of a darker shade of, you know, of an area, right? Whether it's a nuance or something that was unclear, ambivalent, but people who who are led by Christ, and I'm talking about disciples, disciples, and I'm not talking, I'm not talking about perfect disciples. No one is perfect, but disciples who follow Christ and who um, live according to the way of Christ, really to do the will of God. I mean, we're, we're not just like trying to define something, but it's been yeah. defined for us who live the will of Christ have all experienced this freedom from this world of com- of conformity, but really being liberated to do the will of God. And that liberty is available to the spirit of God. So I don't know. It's such a big bundle off, I think. Yeah, because I think like what I'm getting is that I think there are moments and times at which believers and disciples do experience this freedom. But, you know, like you're mentioning and how Dr. Sani mentioned, these subplots come up time and time again almost every day. And so that's why it is a daily surrendering of those subplots that kind of keep us on that uh, path to freedom and that path to Christ. Um, Mm. it's it's like a daily endeavor and that's why discipleship is a daily endeavor to um, live your life for Christ right because like these subplots um, it's it's like really tricky because these subplots present themselves over and over again Um, and there's no Mm. in like in our lifetime I guess like in our physical lifetime it's not it's not that they will go away but you know Dr. Sammy mentioned something about how you know a greater motivator is necessary in order to diminish these motivations, these human motivations we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, that's what we're trying to combat, right? Like the motivation of Christ over our own, um, I guess, self oriented motivations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, you know, I think I kind of came into this conversation and I don't, and I don't really know why, but you know, I was like just very restless and anxious. Um, and you know, I felt that there was something that needed to be addressed and I wasn't really sure how to go about it. I'm not trying to be cryptic in like the fact that like, I, I guess I was just <laughs> trying to, I was trying to process why I was mm-hmm. having this restlessness. Um, and whether it's like a physics exam coming up or like, things that are going on in my life. It was just kind of odd because I just couldn't shake it off. Um, mm. You know. So you want to explain a little bit sure. about what happened? Oh, yeah. Uh, what happened, Joe? I don't know. I don't really know. Uh, um, I, like, after, so I'm studying for a final. Um, that's uh-huh. tomorrow evening. Well, that'll be Tuesday evening. And so I guess, like, afterwards, I just felt really un- unsettled. And, uh, I was, I guess, trying to 
meditate and like think about what God was doing. Um, didn't it didn't really end up anywhere. Like I felt at peace for a moment, and then it just kind of like shot up again, right? So I uh, I journaled, and it seemed like there was a struggle within me, like a processing of, I guess, a subplot. Because like I was really thinking about like mm-hmm. what are like why like what is what is this restlessness, and why do I feel like such a anxiety about this moment in time and i guess like i i I recognize with myself that you know over the years i do have like a subplot with insignificance not necessarily wanting to be significant Mm -hmm. but like trying to disappear almost or like not Mm -hmm. or like being in the shadows of everything and just kind of letting life go by Mm -hmm. without really having an impact on anything or influence on anything at all Mm -hmm. right um and you know the the road to do that is like to choose the path of least resistance like i have like a like a i i guess i this is an aspect of myself that i've mentioned before but that i'm not too crazy about or happy about is that you know i i find myself when things get really difficult i quit um because it's difficult and because Mm -hmm. it's just gratifying to quit at the moment and you know, I bear the consequences of quitting uh, difficult things and, you know, like nothing, nothing really comes out of it. And that's like an easy way to kind of let life slip by. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of what I was writing about. But like the other road to that is doing the difficult things and having the reward of having done difficult things. And like, I think for me, the difficult things tend to be the things that are aligned to what God is doing in my life. And, you know, not that it's difficult for no reason at all, but it's difficult because it's meaningful and it's purposeful and, you know, but it's hard, like meaning and purpose is really difficult. So like, I think my, I think what happened maybe was that like the subplot that really leaked in today and Mm -hmm. in this moment was that it's just like, why am I doing things? Like what, like, why do I, why am I doing difficult things? Like what, for what reasons? Am I motivated? Am I even motivated to fight for mm. things that are meaningful and purposeful? And I guess I, I guess I got kind of lost and stuck with the fact that it's like it's so much easier for me to kind of sink into that subplot of doing nothing and meaning nothing. And um, I guess I found myself in that tension and I couldn't like really find a threshold to push myself through it like out of willpower because i think i was trying to do it alone like we were talking about like i was just trying to figure things out mm-hmm. um and maybe what happened was in our conversation i maybe something happened in me that helped me reevaluate and realign myself mm-hmm. to what God to what doing what you're doing. Yeah, to mm-hmm. what maybe God is doing in my life. Because it's not mm-hmm. necessarily about me and like what is gratifying for me, but what mm-hmm. what is what is worth while for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Maybe? I mean this is just I'm just speculating, but like I feel like that's right. somewhere in the arena of what just happened. Yeah. I mean some things get clearer as we journal and reflect in hindsight, mm-hmm. right? About what happened. 
But I think, you know, you bring up a good point because everything you're doing, I mean, you started with the physics exam. Um, why you go to school, all these things. The thing is, your the life you live is now life, life lived for Christ. Your decisions, how you do things and what you do and why you do things is for Christ. The overarching theme of direction and the ultimate goal is Christ for you. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but on a daily basis, as struggles come and as responsibilities come and, you know, disillusionment sets in sometimes, why and you know like the default mode sometimes that we have like why am i doing this like i should just give up life could be so much easier why am i even fighting for this and there's could be like this loss of the reason why you started right yeah does that make sense yeah it makes sense yeah and you know the interesting thing about triple checking our motives is Sometimes we triple check to realize that we are living for Christ. We often think when we triple check that we're going to find something bad there. And I think that's always the assumption. But sometimes when we triple check by through a mentor, through um, our brothers and sisters on the same journey of destination for mission for Christ, when we triple check our motivation, sometimes what you will find is that the disillusionment that discourages why you do what you do and even the voice of the enemy of what, why you do what you do that will be saying, well, what are, you know, questioning meaning of life, meaning of hardship. Sometimes those things are the things that will, that will, um, disappear and dissipate. And the very reason why you started everything will come forth mm. as your motive. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Because the Bible makes it clear that the enemy is the accuser of the believer. He doesn't accuse so that we don't go in the right direction, but he accuses us when we do. Wow. You know, because if we could make us live in disillusionment and feeling never achieving assignments or feeling um, that we are never on the right track, that's a good, uh, I mean, from the devil's perspective, that's a good, uh, that's, that's successful. Because his his goal of the the goal of the enemy is so that we don't reach fully our potential for the glory of God, the mission of God, and the purpose of God. Mm. So if he can keep us circling in our questioning of motives um, to find something bad, because he is accusing us of bad, then that's his mission accomplished. But yeah, in the spirit, even the accusations and the disillusionment of why we do what we do is clarified. Right. Which is the freedom of Christ. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Wow. Oh, yeah. I just need to take a second to. Uh, (laughs) Hmm. I mean, you know, when Peter betrayed, like, there was a point when Peter betrayed Jesus because he was so afraid, right, right, of death. But then after Jesus rose again, 
he calls Peter, and as in, through breakfast, he asks him the question over and over again. Um, Peter, do you love me? Mm-hmm. No. Feed my sheep, and he repeats that because sometimes we need to hear. Like Peter at that point was ready. He was being restored again. He was being restored from his failure, right? Right. To becoming someone not of subplot but of destiny, of mission, of Christ mm. for evangelism. He was about to be launched, but Christ restores him from his disillusionment of and his failure, his utter failure of betraying Jesus. And we see that. He asked him three times, like, it's so significant. He asked him three times to clarify that Peter indeed does love Christ. Yeah, he failed, but he does love Christ and wants to live not a subplot, but a life for Christ. And he does. Mm. And Christ is so restorative to speak into that, you know. But can you imagine what the enemy will do so that we won't be restored? So sometimes there is that, that... In the triple um, testing of our motives, we realize that our motive to serve Christ is at the focal point. It's every other thing, whether, you know, disillusionment, temptation, fear, fear of man, you know, the need to diminish, the to conform. Those are the voices that get cleared up. And that's what we end up laying down. Really, because we live in this world and those things get on, right? So, yeah, if that makes sense. It does make sense. Jesus literally triple-checked Peter about his motives. Yeah, exactly. Right. That, was very, that is very illuminating. I think, um, yeah, I don't really know what to think. You know, I think it's like... <laughs> Yeah, I can't really describe this. Is there's definitely like a co- like a cognitive dissonance about uh-huh, yeah. about what you had just said and like the way I'm trying to make sense of it, and it's not making sense in the way that I make sense of it. But it's not necessarily uh-huh. that m- my sense is the way to make sense of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think oftentimes when the spirit makes something clear, and it is clear as like clear as day for us within. Mm-hmm. The mind has a hard time catching up to that, you know, because the mind and the way that we we think in this world is tries to be, and it should in many ways, but is so logical mm-hmm. and rational, but and it sometimes fails to see beyond what is seen and known and understood. So it makes sense that the mind is catching up to what you are viscerally and internally really uh, going through in this moment. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, like feeling like, whoa, I am mind blown, but my mind is kind of slower than what's going on internally is, I think, very, very normal mm. in the work of the spirit sometimes. Yeah. Well, can I take a moment to highlight the fact that this is a very poignant reason for why mentorship and leadership is important? <laughs> because I mean, like, 
I, I, yeah, I wouldn't really be able to make sense of this on my own or like even try to mm-hmm. begin to understand mm-hmm. what just happened, right? Like it's like, it, mm-hmm. I think you and Dr. Sammy are absolutely right that, you know, like our discipleship doesn't just come out of the w- ether of our will. Like it just, like I did like there was no self will involved in this, I guess, internal, um, peace uh-huh but it it was it, it it was a process that is beyond my own like control mm-hmm. well bible does say it is a peace that transcends all understanding that will come and guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus so if it transcends you it's good okay <laughs> Uh, I could live with that. I could hold on to that. Um, yeah. But I think that's good. You know, like even reflecting on that, and, you know, we started this podcast in the beginning of you saying, starting to ask God, you know, that's being teachable as well. Like, God, I want to know what your thoughts are about this, mm, you know? Yeah. And, Asking God, God, what is it about the subplot? What is it that happened that I felt free from? Can you help me make sense of that? I want to lay it before you. I want to live. I want to live a life of freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a uh, journal worthy. Yeah, for sure. To reflect. Yeah. It almost feels like it just kind of like like two split ends, just kind of found themselves mm-hmm. together almost because like i think i almost bought into that accusation like you were saying before about like how you know i'm not worth much and i'm not like worth you know I, like I, like i was like like i treated myself like an afterthought mm-hmm. even though like i knew that God wants to prepare me for something big. And I think I was like really scared of that. And I was really afraid of that um, calling. And so I think like, I always kind of lived like, it's a possibility. Like it's a, it's a maybe depending on how much character I have or how good I am, or like if I'm going to be good enough. Mm. And it just feels like, all of that kind of broke. Wow. Um, cause I just felt like a wave of affirmation about like mm. these, these things. Um, mm. um, so yeah, I do, I do think there was something in our conversation that just kind of, you know, pierced through whatever defenses I might have had to, you know, like preserve my subplot, I guess. Cause I think I like, mm-hmm. like I was, I was almost trying to live both plots as if like, I get to choose at the end. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I have the option to be like, Oh, I'm like worthless. Like I thought I was an insignificant. So like I choose my subplot or like, Oh no, I, I've become someone that is worthy enough to carry on God's mission. And so I could choose that. Like, I think I was like expecting to, you know, out of out of my own will like become something so that i could like god could work with it or fail at it and god can't work with it but it seems like 
that's not what's happening anymore. It feels like mm. I am walking. I like I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be. Uh, mm. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. It's really hard to describe. It just feels like I I think I'm I I am on this course. Yes. And this walk with Christ. It's mm-hmm. awesome. That is really awesome. <laughs> that second point. So true, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, to be teachable, to be able to really see this subplot die. Right? Mm. To live for Christ, to really live this destiny of mission, mm. the assignments that he has. But yeah, I think. Oh yeah, go on. I'm sorry. I was I was just gonna say yeah. I think something about this conversation and the importance of everything we we just talked about regarding subplots and um you know laying those down before God is just some like something had culminated. Mm. Um, so that like maybe my eyes are now open to what. God has been trying to do in my life or mm-hmm. yeah I know we haven't done this on podcasts but um, mm-hmm. and this has actually not happened on podcast where you are in conversation and the spirit literally breaks through in real time what you're bringing forth because I know mm-hmm. that these conversations are not just performance for you, but you actually come really as you are. You come prepared for conversation for podcasts to help others in any way. I know that's your heart, but you come as yourself. So I know we haven't done this, but I would like to pray for you. And if this does happen throughout the week for people where people begin to understand and see their subplots and God begins to even take, you know, take steps into this area and begins to help you empty, but also fill. I want to, um, I pray that the spirit will work and minister according to this plan and will for others as well. So I just want to pray for you as we move on into conversation. Okay. Thank you, Pila. Yeah. Welcome. Father, I want to lift up Joe to you. Father, he is your son. He is your disciple. He follows you. And um, Lord, his heart and his motivation, Lord, is to love you with all of his heart, mind, and strength. And, you know, he talks about this all the time, that God, if he is not doing that, it's because of his blind spots. It is not, and I say this because it is not an intentionality that he would not but that he wants to, but that he wants to grow in all areas. And I know that this is kind of how he approaches um, living for you, you know, putting all that he knows how, you know, in the forefront and surrendering his life to live for you no matter what. And um, I know that Joe often has said that he doesn't really know what that will look like other than what he knows so far. But today, Lord, um, 
you have searched through his soul and his heart, the things that were weary, but really not even fully certain for him. But Lord, you say in your word in Psalms that, you know, the prayer that David prays, search me, O God, and know my anxious thoughts. If there's any offensive or a wayward in, way in me, lead me to the way everlasting. And I feel like you were searching through his heart and his teachable heart of wanting to know your ways and wanting to walk in you. And as you search through, Lord, you are literally in real time um, shifting his um, anxieties to the way everlasting God. And I want to thank you for the work that you're doing in his life. And for even, I guess, showing up in this way during the podcast and for letting him know. I know that he's kind of like surprised by all of this, but, um, but also letting others know that this freedom in Christ, being emptied and being filled with the spirit of the Lord for the spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is freedom, it is available to all. And I want to pray, Father, that as you make sense of these things to Joe, as you speak to him about all these things, Lord, whatever is on your mind and your will, God, I pray that it would encourage others as well and that it you it would lead a path for others to also experience a life that is emptied out and um, filled by your spirit, Lord. And I know that this not this is beyond just words, but it is really the demonstration of God's power um, that I know that Joe is experiencing, but we pray, Lord, that we pray for your work on others as well, to be led by you, by your spirit, and not the conformity and the subplots of this world, but to be led by you. So we thank you for that, and we thank you that you're so close and faithful. And we pray, Lord, for just throughout the community and others listening, Lord, for more of your work to align people's hearts to you and path to you, Lord. So we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Lydia. You're welcome. <sighs> uh, well, thank God we recorded this so I could always look back at it. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty blown away. I, uh, I, I mean, this is, it's pretty incredible. And I, I think, you know, words just can't describe this at all. Um, and I, I, if this is what God is doing in our lives, I, you know, it's a pretty incredible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, praise God. Actually. <laughs> Praise God. I don't really know what else to say. So, Joe, that's really awesome that um, you actually experienced the Spirit working in our conversation. And um, I'm actually excited to hear your process. Um, I know that right now you're very overwhelmed in some ways, but... Um, 
and feeling this freedom and peace you never felt, you said, in your lifetime, actually, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to hearing more about that um, and what God is doing in you. But until then, You know, I, I just felt the ministry song um, really encom encompasses, you know, that, you know, it's a song called Jesus, Lover of My Soul. And it starts out saying, it's all about you, Jesus, for your glory and your fame. And I know this whole conversation, we talked about just stating the obvious and remembering the obvious, but it really brings to attention our focus and what all of this is about and it is really a song that helps us check motivation three times and as psalm says you know god search us and know us what's in there that i cannot see what is a subplot that tries to overtake you know default or on a bad day or when i'm blind or when i am weak or you know some days i just um am unaware what what is that subplot that tries to take over, that competes? And it's a song about all this is for you, for your glory and your fame. It's not about me. It really addresses that. And I believe that sometimes songs are so powerful in that it literally, as it, as you sing it and as, you know, with the heart, it really has a way of examining our hearts and helping mm -hmm. us what we couldn't see before and so I want to encourage you to stay to really sing and worship and really pray through as you sing the song and throughout the week to really reflect and begin to ask God God what is my subplot and to begin to jot down those things and speak to someone that is on the path of following Christ and living for Christ um, about it to help you through it. Um, what you might not see, what you might be seeing, but don't want to really embrace, whether it's good or bad. And, you know, and that's why the community exists. So I do want to encourage you to do, to take it before God and to do some work there. Just to evaluate, to triple check, and to be teachable, to learn from others. Yes, from Christ first, who is our greatest example, the one and only, but to learn from others um, as well. Not just others, but those who are on the path. So, yes, um, tuning out today's podcast. So have a great week, everyone. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. I thought you were going to keep going. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for not just this conversation, Pastor Lydia, but for your leadership and your guidance and also for um, being such a great example yourself and Dr. Sammy, too. Um, for sure, I think, you know, we learned so much from you and uh, I'm always looking forward to our conversations on this podcast and, you know, in person as well. Thank you, Joe, for those encouraging words. And, <laughs> you, and, and those of you listening, if you have any questions or anything, um, we do have an email, mm -hmm. which is 
180churchpodcast at gmail.com.、Mm-hmm. So you could email your questions there and your comments and even your prayers there. And yeah, have a great week, guys. Until next week, see you. Bye bye. So today, as we close our service today, I really want to invite you, as Jesus says, as Jesus gives us from the greatest example of all time, the GOAT, to, to this early church, the greatest community of all time. I want to invite you today to partner with the Holy Spirit because it's time to put these subplots to death every day and keep them at bay so that we can realign our values and our commitments. To really living out the assignment of, of, of the Spirit and of what Jesus is calling us to do in our lives. And it's okay to struggle with them. There's no shame. We all will chronically struggle with what we are deprived of in our lives. Psychologically, that's just the case. And it's a lot more complex than this black and white thinking that we do. But the Spirit of God is here today, and that's the good news available. To help you, to coach you, to push you, and to love you, to be able to put these things to death. And the Lord will come and He will free you and coach you and empower you to be on mission. And here it is we can't do it on our own, no matter how strong our will is, no matter how strong we think our mind is. We will fail and give in to subplots of our lives to derail the mission and the destiny they get us for our lives if we don't partner with the Spirit. So, will you right now lift your hands and partner with the Spirit of God today and say, Lord, take my subplots. Help me keep them at bay. Help me really understand them because my heart's desire, even though my life is not where I want it to be with you, my walk with you. My heart is there. Spirit of God, will that become, my heart become my life one day? You can start that right now. So, would you lift your hands and let's sing this song and invite the Spirit of God to shape us and mold us so that we can fulfill our destiny in God's kingdom and take Jesus' advice, the greatest example of all time, giving us how to join the greatest movement of all time. Right now, Spirit of God, come. Come in power. Help us, Lord. Shape us. Form us. In Jesus' name. Jesus, lover of my soul, all consuming fires in your gaze.
now pray, Barry heads for the benediction. Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. God bless you. Until next time, can't wait to see you next week. Bye-bye now. Thanks for joining our service today. My name is Sarah and I'll be giving our community news. But before we go into that, I'd like to turn it over to 180's own Brooklyn correspondent, Anmin Lee. Thank you, Sarah. I'm here at Prospect Park with some of my goose friends. It's currently 53 degrees with some showers and although it's kind of a dreary day today, the weather inside the 180 community is actually very bright and sunny. We have some exciting news. A dear friend gave their life to Christ this week. It's crazy that even during this dark time of isolation and uncertainty, God's light can still shine so brightly. So for everyone watching, let's give a round of applause and welcome home another child of God. Feel free to go off in the YouTube comments, you know, do some clap emojis, some raised hands. Maybe even go outside your window and start clapping, confuse your neighbors, make them think it's 7 p.m. I mean, what is time anymore but an abstract and meaningless concept, right? Anyway, let's take a look at what our community has been up to during this quarantine. like a lot of people have been stepping up their cooking and baking skills, especially banana bread. Well, I hope that encourages you to keep praying for others and to keep reaching out to them since evangelism isn't a suggestion. And I want to wish a happy Mother's Day to all the amazing mothers out there. And that's it for me, reporting live from Prospect Park in Brooklyn. Back to you, Sarah. Thanks, Amman.
Next up in our community news is tithes and offering. For our members, this is their reminder to continue to tithe faithfully and keep God in the center of our finances. And for those of you that are visiting us virtually, welcome. We're so glad to have you with us. Um, if you've been blessed by our services and would like to give a donation, we have multiple ways you can do so electronically that are shown on your screen. We have Venmo at Church 180, Zelle or Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv, and lastly, PayPal at 180church.tv. Next up is our prayer text hotline. So this is a prayer resource we want to emphasize, especially right now during this pandemic. If there's anything you'd like prayer for, whether it's for you or for someone you care about, there's a team of people that would love to pray for you and with you and do so confidentially as well. So to submit a prayer request, you can text 5397PRAYER or you can send an email to prayer at 180church.tv. And if there's been a prayer that God has answered in your life, we really encourage you to share that as well so that the team can celebrate with you. And next we have our currently remote small groups, which happen in different shapes and sizes throughout our community, but all gather to support one another and grow in faith together and discuss the message from the previous Sunday and how it can be applied to our lives. It's also a great place for those who are exploring faith and has questions about God and what Christianity is about. Whether you've stepped away from faith for a number of years or whether you're exploring faith for the first time, you'll find that people in these groups have very similar experiences of questioning and doubting as you because we've all been in that same place before. And because we believe that faith is not opposed to doubt, but is part of the process. So if you'd like to check out a small group, um, they're currently happening Wednesdays through Fridays at 7.30 p.m., depending on the group. And if you'd like to get plugged in, you can contact Pastor Billy Kim, whose contact is on your screen. Next up, we have more ways we can stay connected throughout the week via social media. Um, we have our 180BRG or 180 Bible Reading Group that is located on Tumblr, and there there's a chapter of the Bible posted every day. And 180BRG is also located on Instagram where there's a verse posted every day along with a caption, and these posts are written and designed by our very own Pastor Leah. We also have 180 Church pages located both on Instagram and Facebook, and on these you can stay connected to what's going on in the community. On Twitter, we have Dr. Sammy's Twitter at Dr. Sammy Kim, and there he posts really great insights, articles he's written, um, so we really encourage you to follow him there. On YouTube, we have our page at 180 Church NYC, and this is where this video is being premiered, but it's also where you can find a whole backlog of sermons, as well as video projects we've done. We also have our 180 Church podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. This can be found on all major podcast platforms, and it's a thoughtful and critical discussion around Dr. Sammy's message given by Pastor Lydia and Joe Liu. And I know that it's provided so many of us, myself included, um, ways that we can really apply the message into our own lives at a deeper level. And lastly, in terms of social media, on the app Discord, we've launched a 180 Cafe, which is kind of in lieu of our very much missed 180 Cafe that we had every Sunday. Um, this is a place where you can go log on, see who's on, talk to folks, play games with folks. Um, and I know that for many of us, myself included, it's been a way we can stay connected um, at all different times of the day. So as you might have seen in the last few months, we've launched a care package delivery service, which is done and put together and delivered by some really dedicated, awesome, generous folks in our community. Shout out to you guys. If there's anyone in your life that you 
would like to send a care package to, maybe you haven't been able to speak to them much lately, maybe they're on your mind, maybe you haven't seen them in a while due to the pandemic or not, this is a really awesome way to share some love with them. And now we're also offering virtual care packages. So if you or the person isn't comfortable sending a physical package, um, you can also do this virtually. So if you have any questions about how this gets done, or if you'd like to send a package to anyone, you can contact Pastor Billy Kim, whose email once again is billykim.180 at gmail.com. And lastly, if you have any more questions about 180 Church, or I've missed anything, you can check out our website at 180church.tv. And you can also subscribe there to receive our weekly sermon emails, as well as any other updates we send out. And with that, that brings us to the end of our community news. Hope you guys all have a really great week and a happy Mother's Day. Bye!